What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of BNG in the Morning. This is episode number 50. Uh, pretty crazy that we've, after this is posted, we'll have posted 50 episodes up on Spotify. We thank you for those people who have listened since episode one, as well as people who have maybe heard about it from a friend or seen one of our Facebook posts and started to listen. Uh, each, each of you viewers are very important to us, and so we hope that we are uh, putting out quality content each week for you guys. Uh, I'm Brett Williams, my usual co-host Gavin Schaus will not be joining me this week uh, so it'll just be me again uh, we ask that you bear with us as we're both on pretty busy schedules right now so each week it may be a little different uh, on the how we're doing this we may have a video episode may not have video episode and then other weeks we may uh, just have me or just have Gavin on so uh, we'll just ask that you bear with us during our uh, during each episode it may look a little different uh, but we'll go ahead and hop into it We'll start off with the Chiefs game. Uh, they're coming off a tough loss to the to the Bengals. Uh, they, they lose 27-24. Uh, this game this game definitely hurt. Uh, this is the third straight loss to Joe Burrow and the Bengals, and that that's def, that was definitely painful. I thought that this was a game the Chiefs would win. I thought they would have a great game plan as this would be a game that they had circled coming on to the year, uh, and it hurt even more with the trash talking the players were doing during the week. Uh, this Bengals defense is good. I think it's pretty underrated. They showed how good they were as they held Mahomes to just 16 of 27 for 223 yards and one touchdown. You know, a pretty solid game, but below average compared to his entire season. Uh, the run game, it was there. Uh, they were having success. Pacheco averaged 4.7 yards per carry and got a TD. And Jerk McKinnon goes for 6.4 yards per carry. Uh, it was an efficient game for the running backs. Honestly... The offense didn't have a ton of problems. Uh, there was a few things like, you know, maybe they should have been a little bit more aggressive at the end of the first half or just some different – you could argue they maybe should have ran the ball a little more. But you just have to accept that they have Patrick Mahomes, they have Andy Reid. They're just not going to rely on the run. And that has its drawbacks and has its its benefits as well. It's just how this team is. Um, the offense, like I said, didn't have – I didn't have much of a problem with it. They put up 24 points. Uh, that's kind of so-so for the Chiefs' offense. We've seen them, we've seen them put up 30 before, but this defense really, in my opinion, could have done better. Uh, they did allow 27 points, which, all in all, when you have the Chiefs' the offense, isn't terrible. But I feel like there were some things they could have done better. They uh, they let Burrow go 25 at 31 for 286 yards and two touchdowns, and they made Samaji Piran look like. I don't know what they made him look like, but they made him look way better than what he was. He goes for 106 yards on five yards per carry. He stiff-armed the crap out of Justin Reed because he tried to tackle him high. I don't know what the deal is, but I feel like when this team played the Titans, they they, they did a very good job of tackling Derrick Henry going low. It's like they, they had a – that was one of their points of emphasis. Do not go high on him because you will get stiff-armed. Well, Samaji P. Ryan is not – I know he's not Derrick Henry, but – He's a strong guy. He he can he can run hard, and they just would not go low on him. And he was breaking tackles. He stiff armed the crap out of Justin Reed, like I mentioned. And this team continues to not be able to sack Joe Burrow. I don't know what it is about Joe Burrow, but this team cannot bring him down. Justin Reed gets himself in Andy Reed's doghouse and the fans as well by not only trash talking one of the best receiver rooms in the NFL by saying he was locking everybody down. But then doubling down after they lost the game by saying they lost, but he still wasn't wrong. 
you know, maybe his maybe his individual stats were not good, but this defense or were good, but this defensive effort in this game was terrible. It was not good. And honestly, the really the safety room, you can make an argument that the that the pass rush is the worst part of this defense, but if it's not them, it's the safeties. Juan Thornhill and uh, Justin Reed did not have a good showing, and they really haven't looked great all season long. So, honestly, it's the young cornerbacks that I've been most impressed with in this offense. I mean, or in this defense. They've been they've had a great year. So, the doubling, the trash talk and then doubling down was not a good look for Justin Reed. Uh, you know, Kelsey fumbled in this game. That goes back to the offense. But you're going to take, if, you have, if you're going to have Travis Kelsey when he's at his best, you're gonna to have to have him when he when he makes mistakes like this. It's 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 rare for him to make a mistake like this. It just sucks that it had to come at a, such a key point in the game. And Bucker missed a 55 yard field goal. I'm surprised I haven't heard anybody say that. This, is it just me? But I thought the snap was bad. It looked like the snap was bad. And I don't know the first thing about kicking to be honest, but I do know that that's a very exact thing they have to do. It's if one thing is slightly wrong, it can throw off the the, the entire thing. And to me, that snap looked like it was one of the – it wasn't very good. So I don't really put a whole lot of that on Butker because he's normally money from that distance in clutch situations. So those are two rare things that kind of allow this this loss to happen. Uh, and, you know, people will say on that kick that they should have gone for it. I mean, I don't disagree in most situations, but he kind of limped off the field – um, he had just gotten sacked from behind this, this offensive line was kind of iffy at times, especially the tackles that continues to be a, a really bad part of this team at times. I know that Mahomes doesn't always help out his left tackle and right tackle, but you know, they're, they, they, they constantly are getting in the backfield and Mahomes is constantly having to get off his spot. Um, and you know, Orlando Brown, we're going to talk about a, a really good situation with somebody betting on himself and it paying off here in a later part in the episode. But Orlando Brown, it's looking like he should have accepted that contract the Chiefs offered him in the offseason as each week goes by. And I'm kind of glad he didn't because I, I'm a Brett Veach fan. I know some people aren't. I don't. It's a very slim few, I think, because this draft class he, he took was, was pretty solid. But a lot of people are uh, – don't really love him because of uh, that first draft class where they took uh, – oh, I'm forgetting his name. He's a defensive player. Breland Speaks. Yeah, Breland Speaks was like the head of that draft class, and really nobody in that draft class was, was really good. But he, I feel like he's hit on draft picks. But all that to say, uh, this if, if he would accept that contract, oh, man, Chiefs fans would be calling for Brett Beach's head because they're already calling for Steve Spagnuolo's head after this game, even though I feel like – Spagnuolo's had a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid season, aside from this game. Uh, so, with all the with the game in the rear view, let's uh, let's uh, just take a moment to real to remember the Chiefs are still th- nine and three. You know, there's a lot of fans that are that are kind of overreacting, in my opinion. I feel like Chiefs have a tendency to Chiefs fans have a tendency to do that. They're nine and three. They still have the easiest schedule out of the number one seed hopeful teams. And the Bengals are a good team. You know, they were 7-4 and four coming into this game, but they're a good team. This team was just in the Super Bowl, let's not forget. 
People are acting, are acting like this is a bad loss. I don't think it's a terrible loss. I mean, it hurts because this is the third time in a row you've lost to this team. But I still think the Chiefs are in a good spot, and they usually bounce back after losses. And this is a good this is a good uh, team, or they have a good opponent next week to, to bounce back. So let's talk about the Week 13 takeaways. Uh, I'm going to talk about the 49ers. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo goes down. He's out seven to eight weeks. He may be able to be back in time for NFC Championship or Super Bowl, but uh, if they make it that far. But Kyle Shanahan said that's not likely. Uh, it's a very, very outside chance. So even if he is healthy, I think they're going to roll with Brock Purdy. And honestly, I think this team can 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 still function and make an improbable Super Bowl run with Brock Purdy. I don't think they win it. I do not think they win it. But I think they can perhaps make the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. Uh, this may be my hottest take on the uh, on the podcast, but I think they can do it. Uh, it sounds crazy to say that as Mister Irrelevant, a rookie draft pick can lead, or Mister Irrelevant rookie uh, last overall draft pick can lead a team to a Super Bowl. But I don't really think he needs to lead the team to the Super Bowl. I don't think he's an elite QB or anything. I really don't think he's. I think at best right now he's an average quarterback, if that. But the 49ers are really, really good. They have arguably the best defense in the league, really good skill position players, and they can rely heavily on the run game. This NFC is weak, and even if they match up with the Eagles in the playoffs, I think they can win that game. Uh, and don't forget, in the NFC Championship game in 2020, Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball eight times, and that's all it took. And they put up 37 points or something on the Packers. I know that the Packers' defense is way different than the Eagles' defense is, but still, I think that they can – I think they can function with Brock Purdy. The 49ers won that game that year with Raheem Mostert as their running back, and he got 220 yards. Now they have Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. I don't think they'll beat whoever comes out of the AFC, but I do think if all it takes is one win over, you know, the Cowboys or the Eagles, and that's the hardest team they'll face in the playoffs. And once they get past them, who else is there in the NFC this year? But speaking of, I think the Eagles are my favorites to win the Super Bowl at this point. I know I kind of contradicted myself. Uh, my last my last takeaway, I think it's possible the 49ers can do that. I don't think it's very likely. I think that, but I do think it's they have a chance to do that. But the Eagles, I think, are the favorites, are my favorites to win the Super Bowl after this past week. They are the most complete team in the league, in my opinion. They can attack you any way they want to on offense. Two weeks ago, Jalen Hurts throws for 153 yards, but scrambles for 157, and Miles Sanders goes for 143. Then last week, they faced a good defense against the run, and Hurts throws for 380 yards and three touchdowns. Both A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith went over, went for over 100 yards, and they were beating the Titans so bad that Gardner Minshew got to step out onto the field. So, the, in my opinion, the Eagles are really, really good right now, and as things stand right now, they're my pick to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they just, that's, I just have to, they're, they've looked the best in my opinion. So we'll go, we'll move on to the news next. We'll, we'll start off with Baker Mayfield. Originally, this was just going to be t- us talking about him being waived by the Panthers and claimed by the Rams. But last night, Baker Mayfield comes in midway through the game and leads a 98-yard game-winning touchdown drive to beat the Los Angeles Raiders. This is the fourth time the Raiders have blown a 13-plus point lead. Baker Mayfield literally had 48 hours to study the playbook from the quarterback position. 
and leads a game-winning drive. It goes to show you how bad this Raiders team is. Uh, but as for the claim itself for the Rams, I think this is a good idea for them. Baker Mayfield, they believe in his talent. It came out they 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 believe that he can that he can play, and I think this is a win-win for both teams. Uh, the Rams aren't going anywhere this year, uh, so might as well try out Baker Mayfield, see what he can do. Baker Mayfield, he gets another chance to start on an NFL team. I think that if Baker Mayfield, uh, I think if Baker Mayfield plays well. Rams may look at bringing him back as a backup next year under Matt Stafford, and then maybe in a couple years he might move into that starter role. But uh, just I think it's a win-win for both teams, and the and the Rams are a great team for uh, Baker to 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 play for. Lions activated their first-round pick this season, Jamison Williams, last Saturday. He made his debut against the Jags, and in very very limited snaps, received one target, uh, did not haul it in, but the. Lions are clearly being cautious with him. I think before the game they were gonna they said they were gonna put him out there for twelve snaps. So they are very being very cautious with him. And speaking of the Titans, we talked about the the Eagles that played them last week. They fired their GM despite being in first place in the AFC South and a three game lead in the division currently. I think a lot of this stems back to that AJ Brown deal. It was a very lopsided trade in favor of the Eagles, in my opinion, and they got to see firsthand how good this guy is. He lit their secondary up. I think that had him, I think that trade had him already in the hot seat, but then the front office was like, you know what? We just got to see this guy torch us in person. So let's just move on. Let's try and get another GM that will try and rebuild this team, get us some receivers because right now they don't really have any. And let's talk, let's end off the news of talking about Odell. Very interesting situation. Uh, it seemed all season long he was going to be, he was saying, reporters were saying that he would be ready late November, early December. Well, we are currently on December 9th. We are recording on Friday, December 9th. Uh, and it seems like he may not play at all in the regular season. He told Micah Parsons apparently that he will be ready in five weeks. He'll be ready to play in five weeks, which is the start of the playoffs. Um, which that contradicts the timeline directly. We've been hearing all season. It was, he will be here early December, late November, but he'd be ready to play for a couple weeks going into the, into the postseason. And he actually went on a podcast and said that he doesn't see the point in playing in the regular season. I'm not sure if he means this season or at all. If he mean, I mean, honestly, either way, it's not really the best mindset to have. But if he means this, like in general, playing in the regular season, well, the point of playing in the regular season is so you make the playoffs in the first place, Odell. You don't just get a, you know, you don't just get to waltz your way into the playoffs. You don't get a. It's just that's just not a very good outlook to have. And uh, and his uh, his recovery has not been going that well either. Apparently, it's not been going as well as what they originally thought. Uh, the the Cowboys apparently, by uh, according to re- some reports, have heard that have not offered him a contract because of his. Then they're not one hundred percent sure when he'll be able to contribute. It may not be until next season. So that's a very weird situation because we've been hearing basically the opposite all season long. But we've got some injuries to talk about here. Matt Stafford did end up getting placed on IR. His season is now likely over. Uh, so plenty of time for Baker Mayfield to show his talent. Jimmy Garoppolo, we mentioned already, he broke his foot in the game Sunday versus the Dolphins, most likely out for a season. 
I wonder. I, it makes me wonder what they'll do for next season. Are they going to bring him back? Because reports were saying before the game they were interested in bringing him back. Now with the injury that muddies the water a little bit, Lamar Jackson sprains his PCL and get in the game versus the Broncos. He is likely out one to three weeks. Likelihood of him playing Sunday is very low, uh, but as we as the weeks progress, it becomes more and more, more and more likely that he will play. And we'll end off with Von Miller. He is officially out for the season. A little bit surprising here. During his procedure, uh, the doctors found that his ACL was actually torn. Uh, it didn't show up on the MRI, but his ACL is actually torn. So he had to go through surgery and is now out for the season. Uh, that's a big blow to the Bills for multiple reasons. They need him to make the plays on defense down the stretch, but also because they gave him a big contract and now he's torn the same ACL twice. It's not exactly ideal for a guy you're playing for a guy you're paying quite a bit of money. Uh, as a Chiefs fan, I will never root for a player to be injured, but I will say that I am happy that the Chiefs will not have to deal with him in a potential playoff game between the two teams. So, just I'll just leave that there. We'll go into Week 14 pick'em. One game has already passed, and this game I picked the Raiders to win. I did not expect Baker Mayfield to lead a 98-yard uh, game-winning drive. So I'm starting off the week 0 of 1. Uh, next game, Lions versus Vikings. I'm picking another upset here. Uh, Lions, I have been beating the Vikings. I picked the Jets last week to beat them. The Vi- Vikings barely squeaked by, get a 27 to 22 win. This week, I am going to pick the Lions to get the upset win at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Ravens-Steelers, without Lamar Jackson in, I've got to go with the Steelers. I know Tyler Huntley led the game-winning drive against the the Broncos last week, but they put up 9 points or 10 points. And I think this this Steelers offense is getting better and better. Kenny Pickett is improving week in and week out. So I do think the Steelers beat the Ravens at home without Lamar Jackson. Uh, Next up, Browns versus Bengals, and I've got the Bengals winning this game. I know Deshaun Watson's playing, but he did not look good last week. I do think it's going to be a slow – he's going to be slow coming back into the NFL game, playing at an NFL level, and the Bengals look good. They're coming off a big win over the Chiefs, and this game is at home. Their fans are going to be excited for the team. It's a division game, so I think the Bengals win this game. Jets, Bills. Uh, I've got the Bills winning this one. I almost picked the Jets, but the Jets have already beat them once. This is in Buffalo. I think they'll have a little bit of a vengeance coming into this game. It's just hard to predict the Bills games right now because they have a tendency to be a little bit inconsistent. And also with the injury that Josh Allen actually suffered in the Bills or in the Jets game last time, he just hasn't looked the same. Texans, Cowboys. We don't have to go in too far into this game. Cowboys are going to win. Texans are just not a very good team. Eagles-Giants, I have the Eagles winning this game. It is in New York, but I do think the Eagles win this game. They're just they're just a really good team. I mentioned them earlier. They're my Super Bowl favorites right now. I think they're just they're a really, really good team, so I think they'll win. Jags-Titans, I have the, uh, the Titans winning this one. I think they'll rebound and get a win over their division rival. I think that the uh, Titans' run game will be able to have success against the Jags' defense. And I think that the Titans defense will be able to handle the Jags. Titans have an underrated defense as well. I mentioned that the Bengals have an underrated defense, but I think the Titans do as well. And I think that they will be able to contain the Jags offense and be able to run the ball well enough to win this game. Chiefs-Broncos. I mean, Chiefs will win this game, I think. The Broncos haven't beaten them in a very, very long time since Jamal Charles was on the team. Uh, but 
you, you already know. It's going to be a close game. It's in Denver. They're going to make Russell Wilson look the best he has all season. I can guarantee it. The Chiefs just have a tendency to make quarterbacks look better than they have all year. I mean, remember the game against Drew Locke last year? Made him look like he was like an elite quarterback. And if it wasn't for a Nick Bolton hit or a Melvin Ingram hit and a Nick Bolton scoop and score, I think is what it was, uh, they probably would have lost that game. So this is gonna probably gonna be a close game. Russell Wilson will look best he has all year, but I do think the Chiefs will win. Panthers Seahawks. I could see the Seahawks getting upset here and losing to the to the to the Panthers, but I ultimately went with the Seahawks to win this game. Geno has been playing like a serviceable serviceable starter in the league, uh, and I think that that continues. And I think that they win this game over a Panthers team that's not really that that great. 49ers versus Broncos or versus Buccaneers. This is a very interesting game because on paper, 49ers are probably the better team. The Buccaneers have struggled a lot. Their coaching staff, in my opinion, just does not uh, scheme does not have a very good scheme to benefit this offense that well. Uh, I think that's why we've seen a lot of struggles from Tom Brady this season. But is a last overall draft pick rookie going to beat Tom Brady? I think it's going to happen. I think the 49ers win this game. It's at home. Buccaneers looked terrible up until the last six minutes last week against the Saints. 49ers, in my opinion, have a better defense than the Saints. I think they'll be able to I think they'll be able to keep them to a low amount of points, be able to run the ball well enough. And Brock Purdy, as long as he doesn't make too many mistakes, which we haven't got to see a ton of yet. But I do think the 49ers will win this game. Brock Purdy defeats Tom Brady in his first uh, game against him. Dolphins versus the Chargers. If the Chargers lose this game, the Chiefs and the Chiefs win. They will uh, lock up the NF- or AFC West, and I think that that happens. I think the Dolphins beat the Chargers. They're coming off a loss against the 49ers. I think they rebound and beat the Chargers. And in running that football, it is the Patriots versus the Cardinals. And I've got the Patriots. I think their defense is really, really good, really, really solid. And I think they give this Cardinals offense some trouble. And even though the Patriots offense leaves a lot to be desired, they do have Ramondre Stevenson, who's having a really good season. And I think they win this game. Uh, moving on, we'll talk about the MLB. The le- winter meetings are going on. Uh, I think they have closed now, but a lot of stuff came out from those. Uh, the big one, though, being Aaron Judge re-signing with the Yankees for nine years, $360 million. It was a very stressful day the day before that happened, as John Heyman reported that he was hearing that he was going to the Giants. So for about 15, 20 minutes, that basically ruined my day. But nine years, $360 million. This was massive to bring Judge back. I know he's ne- he's never going to have – a season like he had this season. It's very unlikely he's going to hit more than 62 home runs again. So we've probably seen the best uh, offensive output from Judge that he'll have. But he can still be amazing for this team. And even if uh, or if he signed with the Giants, I think that he, 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 he means so much to the team and so much to the city of New York. No matter what they did, even if the team on paper was better because they were able to allocate more money to to improving other positions, the team just wouldn't have felt the same. I mean, they literally had the judges' chambers in the stadium. Those wouldn't have been able to – they would have had to take those away. He's all, he's all over the subways. He's, I mean, he's just so big to this franchise. They had to bring him back. 
And apparently Hal Steinbrenner closed the deal. Uh, looked like he was going to, he was leaning towards signing with the Giants, but Hal Steinbrenner called him up, basically said, what do you need? The Apparently the Yankees were at like $8,320 million, or eight years, $320 million. Judge said, you know what, I need another year. So they, that's what they gave him. They gave him another year, another $40 million, and that's what this ends up being. His average annual, va- average annual value is $40 million per year. Massive contract, but he deserves it after the season he had. Uh, but this isn't the only move that the Yankees need to make. They need to uh, improve other positions, such as the pitching staff. Ideally, they find a shortstop and a left fielder. Uh, but honestly, the left fielder right now is more... Uh, they really need to find a left fielder than a shortstop. IKF is serviceable, but left fielder really needs to be done. Benintendi is a candidate. They did trade for him last year, but he is a free agent. And with the market this year, it's looking like he's going to get hundred around $100 million, which... I don't know if the Yankees will do that. I don't know if the Yankees will do that, uh, given that they have given out some hefty contracts on this team. Uh, but they need to make they definitely need to make some more moves in order for this offseason to be a success because the team right now, they showed it in the playoffs. They're not good enough to win a championship, so they need to make some more improvements. But bringing back Judge was a good step. The Rangers signed Jacob DeGrom for five years, $185 million. The Rangers are dishing out money to rebuild their team. They've grabbed Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon in years past, and now DeGrom. They're getting better and better, and they aren't afraid of writing big checks to do that. So I was surprised when he went to the Rangers, but with the they're, they're showing that they want this team to be good. So if he can be the ace for this team, that could be a step in the right direction. The Mets immediately uh, responded to Jacob DeGrom leaving. They signed Justin Verlander for two years, $86 million, with a 2025 vesting option for $35 million. If he hits a certain amount of innings pitched, he will get that 2025 option. So this is likely a three-year contract. Uh, It's a huge risk, honestly, to sign a a guy of Verlander's age. But they had to do this with DeGrom departing. They were in a very tough spot. And not having an ace like DeGrom in the lineup would be an even bigger risk than signing Jacob than signing Justin Verlander. Not having it would be an even bigger risk than signing Verlander. It's an aggressive move, but one they felt they had to make given the departure of DeGrom. And lastly, Trey Turner gets a massive deal. 11 years, $300 million to sign with the Phillies. It's another huge contract, but the Phillies fill a position they need at shortstop. And now we'll have a lineup consisting of Turner, Harper, Schwarber, Real, Real Muto, Castellanos, and Hoskins, which sounds incredible. And don't forget, this team was just in the World Series, so they get better. And also want to mention Xander Bogarts. He leaves the Red Sox signing with the Padres. Padres are a really good team, too, and the, the acquisition of Bogarts is that's a, that's huge for him. Uh, and also, it's just good to see players leave the Red Sox, so I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, Lastly, we'll talk about the Heat a little bit. Uh, you guys know I'm a Heat fan, so I just like talking about them. They continue to struggle. They are currently 12 and 14 and 11th in the East, I believe. They last night they won against the uh, Clippers, but before that they were coming off losses to a shorthanded Grizzlies team without John Morant and the Detroit Pistons, who before that the game uh, were six and 19. So that is not a good loss. Uh, this team, although it is injured. Speaking of the Heat, should not be losing to the Grizzlies without Jaw and to the Detroit Pistons. This team is very inconsistent. They just have no identity. This this team's identity used to be good defense and good three point shooting, but they haven't. They just haven't done that this year. 
Uh, they've been so inconsistent. Like I said, you just don't know what team is going to show up any given game. They they had a huge win in Boston at the end of last week, which was only Boston's fifth loss in the year, to losing two straight games to teams they should have beat, and one they should have beat by 20 instead of losing by 20. They let Boyan Bogdanovich score 31 points and shoot 7 of 9 from 3, offsetting Tyler Hero's 34-point outing. And it's getting to the point now where I'm not sure one move fixes this team. I mean, Victor Oladipo came back in that game against the uh, Pistons and they completely got overshadowed because the team lost. So just a bad loss. And they did beat the Clippers last night, 115-110. But Jimmy played in that game. When Jimmy plays, this team is better. But you've got to be able to beat teams without Jimmy Butler because Butler, he's not going to play 82 games for you when this at this point in his career. He's just not going to do that. And honestly, there's times where Jimmy coasts. He's he, you can tell he's just not playing as as hard as he can. In an 82 game season, he's getting up there in age. He he coasts. So they need to be able to win games they should win against teams like the Pistons without Jimmy Butler playing and without Kyle Lowry playing. The other guys need to step up. They need to be able to win those those types of games, and uh, hopefully they can follow up the win with the Clippers. Uh, over the Clippers into a string of wins, get this team over 500, uh, and we'll end it right there. Uh, with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, hopefully next week we'll be able to have more of a normal episode, and hopefully video. We're still hoping to get you guys a video episode. We know you guys like that better. We've heard great feedback on those. Uh, but with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you next week.